I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, I am so grateful to be joined once again on the Defender Podcast by Brad Evangelista, and Brad is the senior pastor at Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia, uh, a dear friend and just a dynamic leader, both of people, uh, but of this congregation, a gospel-driven pastor. I have been just blessed to be able to sit under Brad's leadership, both in Uganda, which we will talk about, but also uh, to be able to hear him preach and teach at Cross Point in Columbus, Georgia. God has, has just gifted this brother with the ability to communicate uh, with a gospel richness. And so Brad and his wife, Jennifer, have four children and uh, came to Columbus because of a military career and have stayed to plant the church at Cross Point. And Cross Point is just a, a vibrant church that is making so much gospel difference in uh, Columbus, Georgia. Uh, love this family, the Evangelista family. Uh, Brad also is a USC fan. So this year is, is probably not the best football year, uh, <laughs> but uh, we will allow him just to to come on to our Crimson Tide uh, over here in Birmingham, Alabama. But Brad, uh, just thanks for joining us. And I know today we want to talk a little bit about why it's so important for the church to get engaged with orphan and vulnerable children. And so just right outside the gate, um, as a way of introduction, can you just, just talk to us about the biblical implications of the local church being engaged and being the instrument of change for orphan and vulnerable children? Yeah, thank you, brother. First, it's just so good to be back with you again on the podcast and just so thankful for you, brother, your friendship and your ministry and for Lifeline and for our partnership with Lifeline as a local church. And uh, it's been one of the sweetest gospel partnerships that we have had in our 13-year history as a church. And so we're just so grateful for, for all that you guys do and for uh, just your friendship and partnership in the gospel with us. But yeah, brother, we, we, we're just, uh, you know, we think it, for the past we've been a church for 13 years and we've been pretty heavily involved in uh, ministry to the orphans and vulnerable children for the past 10 years or so. And, uh, you know, when we think about it biblically, we, we see our care for orphans and vulnerable children really as being an extension of the gospel and uh, a picture, a display of the gospel. When I, I think about a few, several years ago, I preached a message uh, on the church's responsibility to care for the fatherless. And I was struck as I was reading through Deuteronomy, uh, how many times in the Mosaic law, there's these, these clear uh, commands and exhortations for the nation of Israel to care for the sojourner, for the widow, and then specifically for the fatherless. And how this is to be a, a, a ministry of mercy to these least of these people as as Israel is is living as a nation. And now of course I want to be careful theologically. I don't think that the Mosaic law in in the Old Testament has is is binding on the New Testament church. I think Christ has fulfilled that for us, but we see the the heart of the law being picked up in the New Testament and how in the New Testament we see clearly obviously in James 1 how pure and undefiled religion before God is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And we see Jesus at the end of the Gospel of Matthew talking about caring for the least of these. And we see, of course, the parable of the Good Samaritan, 
about how we are to show mercy on our neighbor. And so not in a way that our our works would justify us. Clearly, we know that, that only Christ's work on the cross justifies the Christian. But as a display of the grace of God that has adopted us, because we, all of us, anybody that is in the kingdom of God, is starts as an orphan separated from God because of our sin and because of God's grace. He has adopted us as his people through the work of his son. And then, not because in any way we earn our salvation, but as a display of the grace, to be a reflection of God's adopting grace on us spiritually. I think the Bible clearly calls us, and in the New Testament picks up this command, this exhortation, this mercy ministry to care for the fatherless. And so as a New Testament local church in Columbus, Georgia, we see uh, we see this great privilege and responsibility to care for the least of these, to care for the fatherless, and for this to be uh, clearly a tangible physical ministry to vulnerable children, mm-hmm. but also uh, on a grander scale, a, a picture of the gospel to an onlooking world, so that the gospel that we confess, the gospel that we herald from our lips, would be embodied by the way that we care for people around us, our neighbors, those less fortunate. And of course, this has all sorts of tentacles into the Christian life. It has, it has all sorts of applications, but clearly one primary application for us as a local church has been to care for, for the orphan and to care for vulnerable children around the world. And so, um, yeah, I think there's a clear biblical mandate in the Old Testament and then picked up in the New Testament how the church is to display the gospel by caring for vulnerable children. Yeah, and I think really too, as we see that biblical implication, it was it was even when you look at the Mosaic law, but also when you look into the New Testament, a lot of times the reason that God's chosen people were neglecting the vulnerable is, is because they saw them as unclean. Yeah. Uh, and so we see that, that picture even of the gospel that, that Christ, even though we were unclean, came to us in our reproach. And so that picture of the gospel of, of going to the outcast is so important. But I, I love what you said, and, and I've seen it with Crosspoint. As a church, as a body, you, uh, your members and, and, and those that are brothers and sisters that are gathering together at Crosspoint have, have taken this mandate and, and looked at a worldwide application and partnered with a local church in Uganda uh, that we are able to partner with Lifeline together with King Jesus Church in Busega and Pastor Raphael. Talk a little bit, because I know you have been so integral in pastor training, not just there at King Jesus, but of the, the whole entire region there of Busega. And this is your third year that you've gone to teach pastors and to equip pastors you and Jennifer got to go, your wife, this past summer, and you and I got to go last year. But talk about the importance of not just the local church here in America, but us equipping and partnering with local churches around the world. Yeah, amen. Well, you know, we clearly, we believe that the the church is God's plan. And, you know, Jesus says in, in Matthew 16 that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that he has created. And then we read in Ephesians 3, verse 10, where 
the church is the manifold wisdom of God. And, and that church is universal. It's, 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 it's Catholic in not in a, obviously a denominational sense, but in a universal sense. So we, we believe that not just the American church is part of, is God's plan, but the local church in every community, in every country worldwide. And so part of our role, part of the way that we, uh, feel that God has is calling us to care for the or- orphan is to is to encourage and help resource and come alongside other local churches for example in Busega King Jesus Church to help encourage them um, help resource them and learn from them and be encouraged by them and to mutually together partner in the gospel so that it's not us helping orphans in Busega so much, but it's coming alongside sister churches and encouraging them to, to, to do the ministry there because they're far more effective than we would ever be in that setting. And then, you know, selfishly, there's so much that we learn from them. I mean, I've, I've gone, as you've mentioned, these past few years to go uh, just to help encourage pastors and healthy theology and a biblical understanding of the church. Uh, but I have learned just as much as, as, as I have hopefully taught them. And so uh, there's just a, a two-way street, a mutual edification that goes on there uh, in our ministry to them. But yeah, I think, I think where the rubber meets the road is realizing that uh, we as an American church in our context have really very little to offer uh, you know, tangibly orphans in other parts of the world. But when we come alongside and work in and through the local church, we realize that those brothers and sisters, those local congregations are there 24-7 with these children. And it's just a much healthier and much more long-term sustainable model for churches to work with churches rather than an American church to kind of parachute in for a week mission trip, a week-long mission trip, and 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 maybe do some good. I'm, I'm, I don't want to, you know... Speak negatively about churches that may have that model, but but to work in and through the local church, I think is is so much more sustainable and healthy, and has a much longer term impact on the the actual community. Because the hope of Busega is not some American church or some church from some other part of the world, but it's the local church in Busega who is far more equipped to bring the gospel, and then to uh, bring the gospel to bear on the lives of local Christians in that community so that they too would feel this clear biblical mandate to care for their children. And of course, they're doing that so very, very well. And, and that's where we have learned from them how to, how to even take how they're caring for their community and bring it back to our context and, and, and to be pressed on ourselves to care for people even in our city better. So yeah, the, 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 the local church is God's plan to care for uh, these communities and these orphans. And that's, I mean, we've seen that so clearly because Crosspoint has invested going to Busega and to Uganda and being a part of King Jesus Church. But the thing that I love is when your students go, when your adults go, when you personally are going, uh, it's not all about the work that's being done in that week, but it's about partnering with the local church there in Busega and the local churches throughout Busega to see them carry out the gospel, uh, obviously the vulnerable children, but also showing the gospel in, to others and what they do. And uh, what are what are some of the ways, you talked about being encouraged, but 
But I think a lot of the times we do have this mindset, especially as Americans, that we go in order to be a blessing and don't realize that, that we are being shaped and sharpened and blessed and taught just as much. So do you mind just sharing some specific ways that you and your church body have just been shaped and sharpened uh, by the pastors and by the local body there in Uganda? Yeah, absolutely. Well, on, on several different levels, I would say that I, I think that it, speaking specifically about King Jesus Church and using them as a kind of example of of the culture there in Busega, um, I think they just do community uh, so much better than we do. They, they care for one another in an organic way. Uh, they are uh, not as driven uh, in an idolatrous way like the American church often is by pragmatism and efficiency. And so for them, the goal is not to get through a kind of perfectly executed and honed and planned service, but it's to love one another and to listen to one another and to, uh, to, to just kind of hang with each other before and after church. And that's, I think, where ministry is done. That's where people are encouraged. I, I think that the, I've been chastened to see how the church in Uganda, uh, specifically Pastor Raphael, is so patient with his flock, how he will spend you know, the whole day after the service, two services, just listening and talking to people out in the, in the open space in the church. And I remember a couple of years ago, in particular, there was this one young lady who you know, just pastorally, you, you just kind of have a radar for people that sometimes are, sometimes you can tell they're just kind of maybe difficult to deal with. And she was chewing on his ear a little bit. And I couldn't understand what she was saying. She was speaking in Lugandan. But I was just observing Pastor Raphael being patient, not being a pushover in any way, but being patient with this woman, listening to her, directing her to some people that could help her. And I was just chastened because he had just gotten done ministering the Word of God and had had probably 30 or 40 other conversations before that. But uh, just the pastoral care and the way they love one another uh, has been so, so encouraging and chastening to us. And then, you know, just on a maybe just kind of an individual level, you know, Pastor Raphael and his giftedness has been uh, an encouragement to me. You know, he has come to our church here in Columbus several times and has preached. And the first time he came to Columbus or to Cross Point and preached, he preached. You know, we've been a church for 13 years. So it's been 52 Sundays a year times 13, whatever that is, several hundred Sundays. <laughs> the best sermon that has ever been preached at Cross Point was by Pastor Raphael Kajubi. And he is just such a gifted communicator. Now, I know not every church is going to have a, a communicator that's quite as gifted as he is, but just to see how gifted, how God gives his gifts to his people all around the world. And this brother came in his second or third language in English and just had this American congregation uh, mesmerized by his love for his people, his love for the gospel, and his ability to communicate God's word so powerfully and pastorally. And that, that's what or just, I think it's, it's a shepherding pastoral culture. People care for one another so much better, really, than we often do. And um, we as a church have been chastened by that. Our youth group goes every year, and they see that. Um, they see the love of the community. They see how uh, life is so much more than trinkets and treasures, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's people. 
And uh, that, that has been a wonderful encouragement for us as a congregation. And then that really does talk about the congregation there in Columbus and, you know, cross point in the history of the planting of this church has been engaged locally as well in orphan care and vulnerable care ministry. You have many among your body who are fostering children or caring for children that are vulnerable in the Columbus area. You have many who have adopted both domestically and internationally. But the thing I love about Crosspoint is not only do you have members that are adopting or fostering, but you have a church body that's truly uh, supporting those members and, and see it as a call that's been placed on the church. So you may have a family that hasn't been called to adopt physically or to foster physically, but they are loving on and wrapping around those families that have. Talk about just how you have seen a heart for orphan and vulnerable children spring up there locally at Cross Point in Columbus. Yeah, it has been a real encouragement over the years to see families that maybe aren't, aren't, like you mentioned, not specifically themselves adopting or fostering, but coming alongside families in several ways. Uh, through tangible things like being trained for respite care. Uh, that's been a great blessing. So we've had uh, several instances uh, recently where families have fostered just children from very difficult backgrounds that obviously require a lot of energy to care for and children that were just difficult to manage and, and these families needed a break. And so we've got a good number of people that have been involved in just being a weekend respite. And of course that requires a sacrifice because they have to go through training with, with our local agencies um, and doing the same for uh, some situations where families have adopted and have, have had just lots of challenges with these children and being available for respite care. And just, you know, the organic ways of, of Christians encouraging one another. And then obviously the more tangible ways of financial assistance. We have um, some, uh, empty nester older Christians who have just been blessed in uh, financially and are very willing to give uh, to do things like you know e even as simple things like buying plane tickets for for uh, families to travel across the world or travel across the country to adopt um, I think of a local businessman in our church who's just kind of a middle class guy and he had donated his uh, his like his sky miles to a, a a family to be able to fly to Texas and to adopt a baby domestically, and uh, and then we come alongside as a church as we set aside part of our budget to come alongside families that are adopting, realizing that at times it can cost upwards of forty fifty thousand dollars for a family to adopt, and for the average family in our church that's just it seems like an almost an, an insurmountable mountain, and so we see it as our responsibility collectively in an intentional way from our church budget to set aside money to come alongside those families and to uh, designate funds to help them for, you know, to match grants and things like that. And so virtually, you know, every other elder meeting or so we're thinking about that and talking about families that are adopting and how we might come alongside them. So those are just some practical ways. Um, but, but a lot of it is organic and I wouldn't want any pastor out there that might feel kind of overwhelmed and maybe under-resourced to say, oh, well, I don't, you know, our church just can't do that. But the vast majority of it, I think, is a, is a kind of culture of encouragement where, where because of the gospel, because of the other-centeredness that the gospel calls us to, that as we, as we preach and teach and try and apply the gospel, 
we, we, we try and press on our people to create a, a one-anothering sort of culture where organically people in the congregation have their head on a swivel to care for one another. Now, of course, you know, I don't, again, I don't want anybody to be discouraged that might be listening to this and, and act like Crosspoint is doing this well. I mean, we fail. We fail in this so many ways. We're a very imperfect church, and you've said some very kind things, and I'm just like cringing, like, oh, if he only knew about this situation, we just totally <laughs> failed. But, you know, so there's, there's a lot of that, and I wouldn't want any pa- pastor listening to be discouraged, but I would want to, I would want to encourage them by saying the organic ways of people taking the initiative to care for one another, to speak an encouraging word, to pray for a family that's struggling in foster or adoption care, it's just worth its weight in spiritual gold. And so don't under, don't discount those things as really being incredibly valuable in the life of a church. You know, just I think of the proverb, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. And when a family that is adopting or fostering and is in a very difficult spot with a child, just to have a, a, a body of Christ come alongside them and say, hey, we are with you, is an incredibly valuable thing um, in, in this whole ministry. So, yeah. Wow. Well, Brad, brother, I just, I'm so grateful for the way that you lead the flock and just even the humility. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, that no church is perfect because it's made up of people and people are imperfect, but we do serve a perfect and holy God and are striving to uh, make him known. And that's the thing that I love about Crosspoint and other churches like Crosspoint too, but especially the way the Lord is using you to lead uh, that faith family is that while certainly orphan and vulnerable children are a focus, the main focus is making the gospel known. And so you see and are shepherding the church to say, let's, as we're making the gospel known and as we're preaching the gospel and letting it be known to our neighbors, let's utilize and use our care for orphan and vulnerable children in proclaiming the gospel through action. And so I, I just would also encourage those and uh, pastors, but also other members to, before you go to your pastor, make sure that they understand how orphan and vulnerable children ministry does not need to be social justice, but needs to be gospel driven justice. That's making the gospel more tangible in what we do and what we say. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, we, we thank you for your leadership. We thank you for uh, the church at cross point. And we just ask all those that are listening to this podcast to say a prayer for cross point and for uh, Brad Evangelista and the team, the team and staff there at cross point as they lead in Columbus and around the world. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.